0: By sports Interaction, sports Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gamer Winnipeg. I apologize for the muted mic. I always get so worried when I'm playing the ad, or when I'm playing the intro, that you're going to hear me messing around, throwing things, trying to get all set up, but... Hello and welcome to Gamer Winnipeg. Uh, it's Liz, as always, back here, uh, covering this, what was it, a 5-1 loss of the Colorado Avalanche? Could have been 11-1 at this point. Um. Before we get in, I'm going to share a quick word from our sponsors here. So, want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond, and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live, and play are on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. Or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code at the bottom of my screen. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And if you believe that you're having trouble doing exactly that, please reach out to the available resources for help. So welcome back to our show here today. Um, For those of you who are new here, my name is Liz. I think I already mentioned that, but I'll be honest, I'm a little all out of sorts. I'm a little frustrated guys. For those of you who are regulars, you know I usually hang up my jersey of the game tonight. That's the wrong wall. My wall is empty in protest because these guys stink. Uh, I am super excited to have a lot of you in the chat today. I know a lot of people are looking for an outlet to express their frustrations because I think we're all a little bit irritated with much we got going on. So please feel free to share in the chat. I see Noah's already got some ideas going and, and cooking about how to fix his team. And I'm excited if you're listening live, please comment on the chat and YouTube. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Cause I know we definitely all have thoughts. So 60 minutes of play, obviously you need to quickly identify, just isolate that one particular goal, um, So Nate Schmidt, nice point shot, nice Mason Appleton deflection. I just wanted to say I really like that goal. Um, I've been talking a little bit about how I get frustrated with the Jets often because I don't think that their point shots are strategic enough. And I really liked that particular goal because Mason Appleton obviously called for it and was in the right spot. But I think it was the perfect execution of having some space up top in the circle and making sure that you're able to get that nice tip in front or if there's a clear lane or a screen on the goaltender. I thought it was a fantastic use of the um, deflection in front. So, I just want to shout that out. That was a great goal and I'd like to see more of that. That's That's about it on the good that I have for today. Um and the thing is, oftentimes we do this show, right? We want to talk about what we saw in those 60 minutes, what we heard, all those different kinds of things, but I think tonight I have a little bit of a different angle I want to take. I want to go a little bit off the board on this show because a lot of what we saw that was wrong with this team is what we've been seeing that's been wrong for this team since the new year. So, I don't want to harp too much on the similar players, the similar line combinations, the similar usage, the similar special teams that have been plaguing this team for quite some time. I want to talk about the worst case scenario. So, we've been talking about what this team needs to add. I think today, I know people are probably getting a little tired of trade deadline talk, but it's got to be coming in with some more urgency. The team has a week left to make something actually happen. And after the egg that they laid tonight, there could be some other options. This team could look at the ability of what they're doing and and all these kinds of things and think, this isn't it for me. Um... Noah's saying in the chat that Dylan's in the postgame presser is saying there's no excuse for how the game went, and I fully agree with that. I think it's getting a little bit frustrating for a lot of the players this time. Um, and Brian says that this game is miserable, uh, but let's be real, it feels like it's been brewing for the last month, and I fully agree. I think I've been coming on to this game over show, and I feel like every single game I'm coming on here to get mad at the Jets, or if they win, I feel like I always preface it by saying, come on, guys, it was the Chicago Blackhawks. Come on, guys. It was the Ottawa Senators, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, that's not happening anymore. And the Colorado Avalanche were clearly missing some of their important players still, notably Keel McCarr. We've been seeing those McCarr versus Morrissey ads on the boards for like weeks now, um, which was dumb but uh i, I like what Noah's saying about, um, we can't leave the best goalie out uh, in the league to dry by Appleton uh, as a quote Appleton shared in the postgame presser. and I think that's really interesting. And before we get into some trade stuff, I also want to talk a little bit about Hellebuck. So there was a Bronx cheer that came out for that guy um when, you know, he was rocking the point two hundred save percentage at a boy. um but my I just I want to talk about him a little bit. I don't think enough Jets fans, myself included, understand the impact this goaltender has had on the Winnipeg Jets since 2017, 2018, 2019 when he started to become very excellent. Obviously, we know we got out goalied in the Vegas series in 2018. and We can go down that road again, but it's quite alarming how much of an impact this goalie has had on the trajectory of this team, good and bad, because He has been so unbelievably fantastic over a consistent period of time for this hockey team that... It plagued them to the point where they were unable to address their inefficiencies for years because people were so oblivious to the fact that this goaltender was playing at a level that I don't think anyone has seen from a current like era goaltender. I know Andre Vasilevsky is fantastic. I know Igor Shesterkin played the way he did last year, but the Winnipeg Jets have been a weak team for a long time. They have good players. They have players who are able to do things, but the shot quality that Connor Hellebuck has face throughout his entire career is record-breaking compared to what some of our other goaltenders are seeing in today's day and age. I understand that we've had some goalies. I like to call it the GSAX. I don't think that's actually what you say, but uh, GSAX, goal saved above expected. It's one of my favorite statistics when looking at a goaltender because I think it's a really, really important stat instead of just looking at something like shots because that doesn't tell you enough of a story about the kind of shot that a goalie was facing. And oh my God, it's absolutely ridiculous to see what this goaltender has faced for games over the course of the years because he's a high usage goalie. He's used, His backup has been used significantly less than a lot of other teams in the league. And to Bronx cheer this man, I will say... I get it. If you're a fan and you're just frustrated, you've let in, what is it, four goals in that early stretch of time, three, whatever. I understand the frustration as a fan, so I don't want to put too much stock into the Bronx cheer in general, but I know it's not just the Bronx cheer. There are people on Jets Facebook, my favorite place in the world, who are like, he's not a starting goaltender. We got to get someone new, all these different things. Like... I am just, I am, I'm befuddled. I can, I'll just pull up my thesaurus really quick and look at all of the synonyms for just confused, dumbfounded. Like, I don't understand how anyone could think that that man is the problem when there is such an egregious mess in front of him. So, anyways, that's my little rant. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to see about that anymore. And I think, this kind of feeds into this whole trade deadline piece, okay? So we we see this game, we see a very, very significant weak performance by their forward core in a lot of different areas, and that seems to be the general consensus of our friends in the chat. We got Brian, Noah, Sierra, Carl are all chatting in there, and Brady's there as well, kind of talking a little bit about some of the things that they saw, and I'm going to kind of refer back to a lot of these comments throughout the course of the show. Um, But I think it's really important to, you know, identify that, This isn't a one-game thing. A lot of people have been talking about bringing it forward since the beginning of the season when looking kind of at, you know, just on paper what this team is able to do. And there are some people, for different reasons, some people, you know, didn't have a ton of faith in Cole Perfetti, some people didn't have a ton of faith in Blake Wheeler, but kind of the general consensus was... This is a great this is a good team like they have maybe uh, bringing in an extra defenseman and bringing in an extra top six forward could turn this actually into a very fantastic team when you have Connor Hellebuck playing the way that he is and when you have Rick Bonus getting the results that he was able to get and that was a pretty common thing a lot of people were pretty impressed with the way things were going early on. But the notable gap of needing a top six forward has been quite clear for a decent amount of time now. This isn't a one game thing. And that's I know I talk on the show a lot about how I really don't like uh, isolating individual plays to judge a player too much. I think it can be really great to use in a context. But if it's like, oh, this is a mistake that was made ergo bad player, I don't agree with that. And I think a lot of people don't. So that's why I don't. This whole reaction is not about this game. It's about when is enough going to be enough? Because that's one thing about the trade deadline that's always been kind of interesting to me. We're a week out. A week from today, am I? Yes, a week from today. I feel like my brain is not fully there. A week from today, Friday, March the 3rd, is the trade deadline. We've known what players are going to be sold by their teams for quite some time now. I'm frustrated with Kevin Chevalier off because you see that your team needs help Bring them in early. Let them, you know, gel together and figure out what kind of line combinations you need because we're getting down to the last whatever 20 or so games of the season you're going to have this player for. It, it's rough. I, I, I'm frustrated with the line combinations, and I think it's so glaringly obvious that a top six forward is the need for this team if they wanted to go the buying route because Mason Appleton is not a fit with Kyle Connor and Mark Shafley. Like, I'm pulling up, I will always shout out Winnipeg Chief on this show. I absolutely love the one-sentence reviews that he gives based on a couple of things, like, particularly the the Corsi percentages and all those kinds of things, just to sort of summarize the line matching in this particular game. I think it was Garrett Hole that mentioned the controlled entries and exits that came from that line today. They had, like, seven or eight or nine of, you know, controlled zone exits and entries each, respectively, which is really fantastic, Mason Appleton had zero of those. Like, that's the kind of thing when no one scores in a game, you can't look at the score sheet in that way and make too much of a, uh, um, you know, a judgment on what happened because there's not much to look at there. So you can look at these sorts of things and that's alarming. You need your first line to control play and you need not all of your forwards to be equal participants, but to a more so degree than having a nine to zero ratio of controlled zone exits and entries and that kind of stuff. So I'm... I'm frustrated. I know we talked about frustrations a, a little bit. <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. So Winnipeg chief here. He says that that first line there. Um, you know, Mason Appleton is kind of it's kind of the consensus that can't be the right wing there. He's looking at the Dubois line. It says that you know these players got demoted. There was a lot of line shuffling that went on, and we'll talk a little bit. Bra- Brady mentioned um, the usage that came from um, uh, Nikolai Yulerson. It was less than 15 minutes again, I believe, which is. Obviously unacceptable, and I think tonight even on the power play they had a couple stints where they didn't give up any shots. And I'm sorry, but I don't care that it's the Colorado Avalanche. You're the Winnipeg Jets. You keep tweeting out about how your voice—I'm fo- not even saying words—first in points percentage and all these different things. I, this isn't. If you're wanting to talk about how good of a team you are and you have zero shots on three, five on four advantages. That's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. And I think it's really frustrating. Um, So Noah, again, bringing up comments about uh, um, the Bones post-game presser. And I also see that uh, Brady is identifying, too, that he doesn't have an issue with the Brock's cheer because, uh, you know, fans are frustrated and I completely agree with him. But Noah says that Bones says, we were asleep to start the game, no question. How do you account for that? It happened. Let them explain it to you. I don't love that answer. I like it when coaches take a little bit more accountability than that, and I think that there is some onus on Bones for some of the lineup decisions he's made, particularly around usage and demotion of players. I'd really like to see a little bit more accountability from some guys that haven't been participating uh, to the full extent of a full two-way player that they need to. Uh, Not in the sense that every forward in your top six needs to be a two-way player, but they need to stop. You know, in that one goal tonight, I want to say it was maybe the Comfer first goal, the Nito goal. I don't even know. There were too many goals at this point. Kyle Connor lost his flyaway guy in front, right? And it's, you you can't, you can't do that. And I think that Kyle Connor and Mark Shafley in particular have been two players that I haven't seen, you know, be held accountable for as much as as of what they've done as other players like Dubois and Ehlers. And I understand the frustrations with players like Dubois. And I even understand them with Ehlers in a couple different capacities, just in the sense that maybe if you want to look at it from a certain perspective, you could think that, you know, he's he's playing too high risk or too chaotic if you're looking to like kind of settle things down a little bit. But I disagree with that take. So I understand this is all to say I understand holding players accountable, but when is it going to happen to the players that it needs to happen to? I need to see Neil Pionk be held accountable. Being held accountable is not being put with Josh Morrissey for a game again and, and having ridiculously poor results once again. Like I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm frustrated, and Brady says that uh, Ehlers had 13 minutes of ice time, and only Saku Manaline and Kevin Stenland and Axel Janssen-Fialby, who has been playing in the AHL for the last two weeks, had less time than him. That's embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. And this is going to lead into my big segment of the game. I realize we're like halfway through the show already, but... It's a whole frustration. I want to look at this in a hypothetical. Okay, we've talked about the Timo Myers. We've seen the conversation circling around the Nick Schmaltzes of the world and the Jacob Chickrens of the world, the Shane Gosses Bears of the world. I understand that taking in a couple of good players would be very beneficial to this team. However, if you want to look at trends over the course of the last couple weeks in the last month or so, you could very easily look at this team and say, sell the farm sell it all. Get rid of everything. And I just want to know, for those of you who are in the chat right now, I see we have over 30 listeners, which is fantastic. If you're here right now, please like the stream if you're frustrated with the Jets like I am. I want to know what some packages are or even some players that you would like, not like to see, but that you could see being sold if that's the dr- direction the Jets were to go to. So I'm not fully on that train yet. I'm really not because we know we know how I feel about the Nikolai Ehlers of the world, the Mark Scheifele's of the world, and particularly the Connor Hellebuck's in the sense that you're not going to have as many good players be good at the same time as you do right now, and you're never going to have a Connor Hellebuck again, so I fully believe in trying to maximize what you're able to do in this window while you still have him but I'm getting tired and I know you guys are too we're all getting a little bit frustrated just with all these things that are you know accumulating and and we're not seeing the right kind of response that we want to see from this team when they have the same notable gaps game after game and we're not seeing the right response we're not seeing the early on trades to fill in the hole that's so like so clearly there I'm literally at a loss for words it's fine and I also haven't mentioned yet that uh obviously Cole Perfetti we found out today is going to be out for at least eight weeks which is absolutely tragic and I feel so bad for the kid he was having like a borderline some Calder ballots season like I'm really happy that he's finally found his own that we're starting to see what he's able to do and the place he's able to make in the NHL that is a heartbreaking injury for a player to suffer and I always care more about the player than I do about the team, but that's also a heartbreaking loss for the Jets, and I you can't deny that either. And and the need for a top six forward has never been clearer. But what if you see that injury for Cole Perfetti? What if you see the performances that you've seen from some of these key players that just aren't doing what they want to do? What if you see the video of Nikolai Ehlers and Pierre-Luc Dubois joking and laughing, and they make a comment about next year, and it's so clear that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants nothing to do with this team, right? What if you do if you look at all of those things instead of all the good things? Who do you sell? I want to know for those of you who are in the chat right now, what would you do? Are you looking at a retool in that case? Would you just kind of want to sell off a couple of the, you know, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, for example, just because of the contract situation? Or are you saying sell it all, star fresh, Rucker McGrody is going to be your captain in six years and just go from there sort of thing? What do you want to do? Um... So I, I wanna look at a couple of things. Um, particular in the chat here. So for those of you who are, I know my my time is a little bit behind, so you're not listening to me exactly live. You're a few seconds behind where I am. But um, Brian mentions that one of the things that bugs him a lot is the whole accountability thing, and it leads to the wrong players being demoted and the wrong players being promoted. And I completely agree with him in his kind of concluding sentence there that it sends the wrong message because I believe that in a situation where... You are struggling like the Winnipeg Jets clearly are in these games. You can't overcompensate in your areas of weakness. You need to elevate your competitive advantage. And I know you guys are getting so sick of me saying that, but it's absolutely true. You can't just sit back. If you're struggling to defend against the Colorado Avalanche, you can't just be like, well, let's just defend more. You need to use your tools. And their tools are the Nikolai Ehlers of the world who are able to break into pretty much any zone with any kind of defense. Doesn't matter what kind of trap they're playing. He's able to make that entry and create a little bit of possession and, you know, get some shots, maybe score some goals. That's what you need to be doing. You don't need to be promoting and spreading out your guys who are quote-unquote defensive guys, even though Saku Metalainen in particular has had poor five-on-five defensive results in, you know, since you even returned from injury. Um, So that's a whole other... Situation. But even if you want to look at him as a defensive player, which again, right now, that's not even what he's doing. He's just creating a whole lot of nothing. It sends the wrong message, and I fully agree. And it also leads to the wrong results. All you're doing is getting hemmed in even more and as soon as maybe Sacramento Lennon does you know, grab a loose puck or something it's just a chip off the glass and to change and to get hemmed in once again by the Colorado Avalanche's third line. It's not solving a problem. So that's my hugest frustration with that as well because I think that it's, it's like Brian said, it's sending completely the wrong message. So going back to a couple of the quotes from the postgame presser that Noah, shout out to him always is sharing in the chat for us. Our character and pride just got tested. We didn't respond tonight we have to respond sunday winner lose sunday there has to be more emotion and commitment haven't we been saying this for quite some time they lose a game and they're like oh we need to come back with a response and then they simply do not and it's like where where do we go from here luke says that 26 55 and 81 still have special treatment and it's honestly getting to the point where i really don't understand why i i we always had all these thoughts and you know what feel like it's been a while since I brought up Paul Maurice on the show I think I was doing really well but you know that that meme of um that screenshot from like one of the later seasons of The Office and it's Jim and Dwight and it's like days since our last nonsense and then they have to wipe it down to zero that's me like days since I last brought up Paul Maurice on a game over (laughs) stretching um but that's besides the point I really go off on tangents when I'm by myself. Hey, you guys have no idea. If someone who likes to talk as much as I do, it's actually kind of hard to like sit here and just start spiraling thoughts. So really big shout out to those of you who are in the chat to and sharing these thoughts and whatnot. But we always thought that some of that special treatment that those three players got in particular was due to the coaching. And then, you know, we learned a little bit more, but maybe there were more disconnects there than we thought and all these different kinds of things. But we're still seeing the same special treatment. It's making me wonder, like, what could I possibly be missing? Because if you look at the kind of player that Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers are in their style of plays and things like that, I don't understand how you would give one more special treatment than the other, even to the point where Kyle Connor obviously does not make as many plays as Nikolai Ehlers does, but he's a similar player in the sense that he's defensively deficient, but it can be made up for with what he's able to do offensively and what he's able to contribute on the score sheet, and I get that. So why are you punishing one of them and playing him way below his utilization rate and not the other? It's the same thing. Like, Blake Wheeler has had a fine season. Like, I don't want to dog on Blake Wheeler. It's a coaching question that I really don't think I fully understand. And when, you know, when Rick Bonus comes in and strips the C of the player that's been the front-facing player of the Winnipeg Jets since he got here, you—, you I. Again, we can speculate about that all we want, but my whole takeaway from that was we're going to be seeing a little bit more accountability from a lot of these players this year. And that's going to be a really exciting thing. We're going to see merit-based results as opposed to, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Seniority-based results and all those kinds of things. But then it's just not happening. So it's it's hard. Brady says, do you think Brad Labber gets treated like Eulers in four years? Do you think he'll overcome the European bias because his name doesn't sound European? Great quote. Um, it's a trick question because Brad Lambert won't be a Winnipeg Jet in four years because they're going to find a way to trade him away like they do with all of their fins. Um, but uh, no, I there's something really bizarre, and I genuinely don't know what it is. And again, it's it's not like me to speculate. That's a lie. Yes, it is like me to speculate. I love to speculate. Who am I if I'm not causing drama? Um, but it's, it's, it's very odd how the American and Canadian stars get treated just kind of from our perspective as opposed to some of the other guys. Like you said, the Kyle Connors, the Mark Shafleys, the Blake Wheelers, the Josh Morrisseys, hell, even the Neil Pionks at this point, comparative to the Patrick Line's, the Nikolai Ehlers, you know, it's kind of odd. I really don't understand. And I don't know if it's like we're reading into it too much or if they're like, it's a Canadian market. We want a Canadian like, star, an English-speaking star who can be our face. I think that's ridiculous. That's extremely xenophobic if that's the case, and I think it's an awful strategy because you're punishing good players. I don't want to believe that anyone's actually going in that direction, but with the trends that we've seen from the European talent on this team, you almost have to think there's something there because it's just so ridiculous. I don't understand what's going on there. So, Brady, I kind of agree, especially because Brad Lambert is a little bit of a chaotic player too. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we saw happen there. I know he said it's not a serious question, but I it's worth mentioning because at this point, I'm literally, like, trying to come up with, re- like, maybe Nikolai Ehlers, like, accidentally ran over Rick Bonus's toe with his car and that's why he's getting benched. Like, I'm having to grasp at straws to understand why that would be a player that would receive some form of demotion or some form of punishment when everyone else seems to be getting off scot-free. I went on this whole tangent about a very rhetorical question from Brady, so... I don't know, um, but um, Noah says, Bones basically said, not sure if Heli starts Sunday, said goaltending was not the issue, yeah, okay, I don't think I understand that quote, would it be like, are you punishing the players then by playing Dave Riddick, if, if goaltending is not the issue, why would he not play, I don't think I get that. Um, but I agree that goaltending wasn't the issue tonight. Like, that Miko Randon goal? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Miko Randon... Also, isn't he, like, almost at 40 goals this year? I feel like we never talk enough about Miko Randon. We always talk about Nathan McKinnon. We always talk about all these other guys. Miko Randon flies under the radar every single year. Man, oh man, that guy is fun to watch. But, um... Uh, Carl says, in my opinion, the Jets should buy and improve the forward group. Don't know who and maybe part of uh, get Gavrikov to improve the defensive side of the D pairs. Um, Like, listen, I agree at this point that buying is still the best course of action for this team. Because, again, the window, the window, the window. And you're never going to have another Connor Hellebuck. Arvin Holm is not going to be the goaltender of the Winnipeg Jets. Sure, you could trade for someone, but good goalies are hard to find. So I I'm still team by, I'm still team by, but the frustration is Why have we been sitting on our hands and not buying when the need has been so clear? If the Jets had traded for Timo Meyer in January, because you know he's getting traded anyway, why not get a couple of extra weeks out of him? See, IELTS traded for Bo Bo Horvat over a month ahead of the deadline. Why not do that kind of thing? If you're going to bring them in eventually, why not get the most that you can? You're going to be overpaying for him anyway, so get a couple more games out of it. But all that's to say, all of these losses that could have been negated by stronger forward play as a group... Could have maybe been changed a little bit if you had a better player playing with them. And if they're going to make a move to bring someone in, again, I still think they need more at the bottom six. I still think that an extra defenseman wouldn't hurt and all those kinds of things. But the need is so clearly in that top six. And I think everyone knows it at this point. I... (sighs) Why, why not do something when this team is so clearly drowning? Like, they are drowning. I know they keep eking out wins, and but if you look at how the play is controlled and the kinds of the, the pieces of the play that are, are suffering and that are not coming to fruition in a lot of these games, like, there's a need that needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed yesterday right so it's very frustrating Brian says those two first goals were directly caused by forwards being sleepy and failing to cover the defensive pinch that's just bad hockey and something that good teams don't do twice and I completely agree with that too I was watching I was like a little bit behind on the stream so I was zooming forward and I was going through and I feel like whenever I'm PBRing a game I watch it a little bit more closely and I'm like okay okay I got to keep up like I feel like when I'm watching it live I'm almost a bit more lax about it which feels kind of weird but whatever. And I was watching and I was like, oh my God, they keep scoring. And I would keep going back and rewatching. I'm like, Hey, it's always who messed this up. I know that goalies can be at fault. And oftentimes they are like, there are times when the goalie needs to stop the puck. I, I completely agree with that. But it's always when you're, especially when your job is, is to talk about a hockey game, you're like, okay, Whose fault is this? <laughs> Who messes up? So yeah, going back on all of those, and again, it was poor, poor, poor reads by the forwards on when to on when to cover that pinch. And I think, you know, if, if your coach from the beginning has said, we need more active D, we need more active D and all those kinds of things that have been a constant quote from Rick Bonus this year and things like that you need to expect the D to pinch because that's what they're being told to do, especially if it's Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, They're being told to pinch. They're being encouraged to pinch. So if they're going to do that, or even if they haven't done it yet, you need to be prepared for it because they're the ones who look bad when you miss your pinch and then they get an on-man rush or they get placed out of position and they're not able to cover the pass or the screen or whatever you want to talk about, it looks bad on them when it's actually your own fault for having a miscue in that particular situation. So that's my frustration on that. And Brady says, bones accountability, power play um, is meh for a week. Um, Mark Shifley whines that he isn't playing in his spot. Um, Ehlers gets pumped down, power play stings for a whole month, no switch up. Yeah. You know what, Brady, I'll be honest with you. I don't even want to talk about the power play anymore. I'm at my wit's end with the power play. I just am. If that's actually the case, like play players where they're good at playing. Play players in a way that makes your power play score. And if your power play isn't scoring and you have Cal Connor in your power play, you have Nicola Eulers in your power play, you have Mark Scheifele in your power play, you have Josh Morrissey who set a points record in a season for a defenseman, they still have 25 games left or whatever we're at in the season on your power play, and you're not scoring. There's something wrong. You need to fix it because you know those guys can score on a power play unit. I have done this song and dance about the power play for so long. It's so funny knowing like in the past couple years of, you know, being on podcasts and talking about all these things. We, all we did was complain about the penalty kill. That was all we did. And it was so valid too. Like, oh my gosh, I'll never forget. I don't know if Kishore is here today, but if he's ever listening back, I always need to give a shout out to Kishore. One time we were doing a podcast and we did player grades and every single player that had anything to do with the penalty kill, he gave like a half grade down because of how atrocious the penalty kill was. He was so right for that. But it's just so funny now having to overcorrect and be like this power play bro it's so bad and i I completely agree with it um noah says the jets need a whole new third line a top six forward and a top 4d and probably even more they need a lot at this point And I've been trying to die on my hill about not caring too much about third line scoring because I'm like, oh, again, I can talk song and dance. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're a line matching line. As long as they're shutting down the best offensive lines in the league, I don't need them to score. Um, But there was a tweet I saw. um, It was like oh gosh, I can't remember who it is now. And if one of you in the chat, one of my Twitter buddies knows who tweeted it. um, It might've been Brady, might've been Garrett, might've been Nick. Those are my go-tos. They always have have some good uh, quotes during games and whatnot. But that third line has a combined three goals in the last like two, three months. And two of them were empty net goals. Like that's worse than most fourth line scoring and I think that that was actually part of the tweet that I saw too it's like no other no fourth line in the league is that poor on the score sheet never mind third and I think it's getting to the point where it's like yeah that depth scoring piece which is always something that I try not to overcompensate on too much is becoming a glaring hole in this team um and Brian agrees in the sense that he says that top six and, and middle six guys are necessary, and I, I agree. Like, AJF, I, I was fine with as a pickup, but I'm okay with him as a fourth-line energy guy, and we can talk about all these things about how it's nice to have him out there for six minutes a night just kind of negating icings and doing, you know, ripping random shots and scoring on the occasional one because he's a fun guy to watch, you know, all, all that good stuff. I don't mind it. It's okay. We can do that. Um, but Carson Kuhlman is not... A third liner on a Stanley Cup team, and this is what that team thinks they are: is that they think that they're a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs, and that's that's not sustainable. You can't you can't do it. Um, Carl says that Bo Horvat has been good for the Islanders, and the extra games to develop chemistry has been good for them. And Horvat is so worth it to do the trade early. And that's exactly it. And so is Timo Meyer. So is Jacob Chikorin. So were all of these players that you need to bring in. Frankly, in my opinion, if you know that you're going to be buying at the deadline, I understand that teams, you know, get pressure and pressure as they get closer to And some of them are kind of wishy-washy on when to make a call. Are they standing pad? Are they buying? Are they selling? We know the whole thing. If you know you're buying, the Jets have known they're buying since November, then buy in December Buy in January I know some of those teams Aren't ready to give up Those players yet And that's the whole market issue With the supply and demand And when the prices are high And all those kinds of things I took first year micro And macroeconomics I understand what this means But if you're gonna buy them Eventually Bring them in earlier Like other teams do so Strategically We can talk about How much we hate That Bo Horvat move For the Isles And how strange it is Given the the Metropolitan Division And the Eastern Conference In general But bringing him in early Giving him Some time to gel with the guys it's proved to be very good for them I don't know the last time we saw a star player get moved earlier than later and seen it backfire in someone's face it doesn't do that it's helpful to your team so I just don't understand why this team has been drowning for so long and there's just no help being given by the general manager and it's frustrating to me Brady says game since last goal Lowry 32 Menelainen, 20. Barron, 16. Stenland, 11. Kuhlman, 10. It was Justin's tweet. Gotta shout out Justin, my boy. We love Justin underscore L underscore 99, um, who who pulled that out for us. Like, That's not good, especially since Morgan Barron is the first guy that gets called up as soon as they need a little bit of a switch up in the top six. Again, it's not sustainable. So that's just the whole frustration. And again, I think this is the kind of thing where I know I'm here to talk about the game that we just saw, but... The game that we just saw is just a complete, perfect view of what we've been seeing for the last little bit, just put on full display against a team that there is a very likely chance that they encounter within the first or second round of the playoffs, should they even make it at that point. So um, I kind of want to wrap the show up here. My throat is getting real dry. I've been yelling for a very, very long time now. Um, but it's always a ton of fun. So I just want everyone who's in the chat, like, I want to shout out, you know, um, Next Gen Leap is there, Brady is there, Carl is there, Brian's there, um, Noah's been there, Luke's been there, everyone's been hanging out in the chat, and I really appreciate it. If you haven't liked the stream yet, please do so and make sure you subscribe to SDPN. Guys, share your final thoughts with me before we log off. Obviously this game um was it's very clear that the Colorado Avalanche have a lot of really dynamic players like we can see it. Uh, some of the defensemen obviously we love watching um Taves and and Byram play every night. They're they're a ton of fun and they they move the puck really well. And I think that, you know, I'm tired of saying this once again when the Jets play against good teams and they see good players I I understand you want to give credit where it's due but that's what good teams do is that they're able to mitigate that a little bit they're able to sort of release some of that pressure that those players are able to create and that's how it becomes competitive and there was no compete in this game this game was just a frustration a frustrating mess of all kinds of things coming together so Doug says turd I think the word is turd. And I feel like that's a pretty good description of this, and I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, we can talk about intangibles and needing to pull your your act together and all those kinds of things. These players, I don't know what it is that they need, but I know they're frustrated. We all know they're frustrated. They just need to act on it a little bit better because tonight, you know, someone made a joke about a PLD shift 2.0. Like, that's a player that goes out there. He takes a four-minute cross-checking penalty, and you're like... I know you're annoyed, dude, but now your team is shorthanded for for four minutes, and even if the the other team doesn't score, that's four minutes where you could have been controlling the play and you weren't able to because you're at a disadvantage, and you know all those different things. Like the players need to, you know, I don't care, you know. Brendan Dillon comes out right in post game, and he's like, "We need to be better." Then be better. I'm tired of the post game pressers of the oh the 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 compete's not there, the the accountability's not there. Then. It's on you. It's on you at this point. I understand that there, are, there are, you know, we we need maybe ownership to do this. We need the GM to do this. We need the coach to do this. We need all of these things, right? But at a certain point, it comes down to the players too. And I I aired my frustrations with the Neil Pionk's and the bottom sixes and and the and all those guys and whatnot, but. Every single one of those players needs to do a better job. Um, And I know it's easy for me to sit here in my basement and say that, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, this is their job, this is what they're paid to do, and I need them to do a better job. Noah says, "Chevy probably made a plan a month or more ago to wait to make a trade until this coming week so you can make multiple deals with the cap space he has accrued, but he waited too long. That's probably very fair. I think there are a lot of strategic moves that the Jets could make here. And if we wanted to go the route of looking to buy a little bit more. This is also an interesting year to do that because of the cap flexibility that they have. They would be able to do what Minnesota has done on a couple of trades now where they retain a little bit of that salary in exchange for a pick or two, which I think is a really cool play to make because i think a lot of teams except for you know the exception of the arizona coyotes find that if they're kind of like a middle team and they have cap space they should be buying because they have the ability to but i like what Minnesota's doing and i think it makes a ton of sense and if the jets were to kind of walk back on being a contender that would be an interesting route for them to take but brian says final thought i think a deal needs to be made before monday not deadline day the longer they wait the closer they may fall toward the playoff line um Brainy says if he's not talking about a trade on Sunday's game over I'm going to be upset. Um listen, okay, actually hold on. I'm wearing can you tell? I'm wearing my where is it? My hair is all over the place, guys. I can't even it's so for those of you watching live on YouTube, you can see it's my Villy Haenola Stanley Cup playoffs sweater. Um shout out to Glenn. Um I'm going away to Montreal for 2 weeks. I leave tomorrow or Sunday. I don't even know. I'm so all over the place. I know Billy Hanel is going to get traded while I'm gone and busy and not on my phone, and it's just going to be a nightmare. So I'm leaving it up to Brady to make sure he airs my frustrations as much as he wants on the uh, game over in, in the coming days while I'm gone. Uh, Carl says, I have an obvious bias, but I hope for a similar result on Sunday with an Islanders win. Sorry, not sorry. Hope you guys don't mind. Hey, I don't mind the Islanders. And Carl, if you want to check out the show that I did with my good buddy Mike, the Islanders fan, on on Wednesday it was a good one we had a lot of fun and I uh, I I thank you for joining us in the chat from Sweden sounds fantastic Doug says Chevy is well past his expiry date he's not a winner I'm of the mind that this is, We again, we talk about this, always shout out C-Mac for our old Jet-centric days and all the quotes that that quote machine made, but it's show business, not show friends, and I, if your GM's been around for, for over 10 years, we're going on 12 here now, and I'm, I don't know, my patience is wearing thin with a lot of things, and again, with Rick Bonus, he's only been here a year, so I'm trying to be a little bit more patient than I was with some other people. I don't know. I don't know. And I guess that's my final thought on the show is I don't know. The Colorado Avalanche are getting healthier and they're getting better. We know that this team is able to do a lot and I... Their their goaltending situation is less ideal than a lot of other teams as well. They have fine goaltending, but I think it just goes to prove that they're a very dominant team. They've been able to hold their own with a lot of injuries that have been plaguing their team over the last couple months, and as they start to get healthier and they start to heat up as we near the end of the season. It's just, you know, we talk about the West being wide open. If this Winnipeg Jets team runs into that Colorado Avalanche team in the first round, we're taking out the rooms boys. Like it's it's not gonna be a pretty sight. So they need to do something. That kind of wraps up the game over for me um very lots of emotions but i didn't cuss a lot and i feel like i wasn't overly mean to a particular player or person so you know what we'll call that progress and we'll call that a win in our books um so thank you so much everyone for tuning in if you're live in the stream make sure you like it and subscribe for those of you listening back tomorrow, um, I hope your frustrations are similar to ours. I think they're very valid in a lot of these cases. And I think that um, this team still has a lot of good left in them. And I think they have a lot of potential in a lot of areas. We've seen it unlocked in a lot of different capacities in this season. So I think it's there if they make the right moves and if the right players start taking a little bit more accountability and get, you know, played with the right fits and, you know, go and show their full potential in the right scenarios and blah, blah, blah. We can talk about all of these different things. And here's hoping that they figure it out. So uh, for those of you who uh, follow me on Twitter, thank you for doing so. Sorry for everything. <laughs> for those of you who don't, you can find me on Twitter at L-Y-S-S-H-O-U-D-E. That's Liz Hood. You can also find me on TikTok at Can't Teach Size. I like to have a lot of fun. I've done a couple of podcasts this week. I'm doing a Tread Deadline uh, Talk podcast tomorrow with um, a Calgary-based podcast. So that's going to be a ton of fun. I also joined my friend Kaya, who's from Game Over Vancouver, on her podcast Um called Growing the Game, earlier this week, which is a really fantastic show about, you know, how to make this game more marketable to a lot of different audiences and things like that, which is a ton of fun. So make sure you check all that stuff out and follow at STPN Sports on Twitter, as well as SIA Sports, so that's our friends at Sports Interaction. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Brady will be covering the games for the next little bit, so make sure you guys give him lots of content in the chat as well. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you next time. By Sports Interaction. Canada sports book.